Hi, this is Scott Sustacek, your host for CEO to CEO, the podcast from the CEO Roundtable. CEO Roundtable is a peer-to-peer organization that brings business leaders together to share wisdom, experience, and insights from the trenches. Today's episode is sponsored by IntroWorks, launching powerful B2B brands for more than 30 years. Learn more about them at intro.works. Welcome to episode two of the CEO to CEO podcast, the official podcast of the CEO Roundtable of Minnesota. I'm your host, Scott Sustachek, and I'm here today with Glenn Starfield, who is a franchise owner with Express Employment Professionals and has owned this company since 2005. Uh, We're going to get into some really big things around employment and talent today. But Glenn, before that, I want to introduce Glenn a little bit. Glenn's got locations in Savage and Lakeville, and his first year in business back in 2005, Glenn had three employees and roughly mm-hmm. a million eight in, in sales. <laughs> now, Glenn has 13 employees and in 22 had $17 million in sales, so some pretty tremendous growth. Glenn is married to his wife, Katie, and they've been together for 23 years with three kids. And in full disclosure, Katie happens to be my cousin, (laughs) and Glenn and I have spent many hours walleye fishing together and all the things that go with it. So uh, we'll reminisce a little bit as we go through here. Yeah. Uh, Well, Glenn, welcome to the the show. And uh, thank you for being part of it because, you know, this this topic... um, you know, we'll call it the war for talent, and and mm. then the, the sub the sub topic is where are all the employees? Right. You know. Yeah. So today we saw from the labor department, you know, ten million job openings in this country right now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, everybody you talk to, every employer you talk to, is looking for talent, and and I think you can bring a lot of uh, insight for our audience into what's happening out there, and, and as you're doing your work trying to help employers find people. Let's start first by talking about a little more about uh, Express Personnel and, and your journey with Express Personnel. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a ride. Um, yeah. And we were Express Personnel when I started. And then we went through a bit of a marketing change years ago. And as a franchisee, I mean, you have a voice at the table, but um, I was really happy with the decision that our franchisor made and we became express employment professionals. Um, I think it had to do with like keyword searches, Google looks or something like that, but, um, also important, right? Yeah. In the digital world. Yes, exactly. But, uh, it's been, it's, it's kind of crazy to say 2005, it was 2004 that through force change brought me to express. I had an opportunity to pursue a career path that would have moved our family to Milwaukee with my former employer. And uh, that was always in the cards. And Katie and I thought, well, of course, we'll go wherever wherever we got to go. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, I have a graduating senior this year. So if you do the math, Katie was actually on maternity leave with our newborn. <laughs> and uh, moving wasn't in the cards. Yeah, great, not great timing, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. So again, through force change, I you know I think uh, I got that offer to go to Milwaukee, but uh, I passed it. Uh, I met Express and. Um, made a trip. I took a day off from work and went out to Chicago for a sales conference as a guest. And I came back 
on Saturday and I told Katie, I think I'm going to quit my job and buy a business. <laughs> so, <laughs> How did that conversation go? I mean, right. It had to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? She was like <laughs> holding Ethan in her arms, like, you're going to do what? But uh, no, she, you know, she, as you know, her, her father was an entrepreneur and um, she was very supportive. So, um, and I, believe me, I explored a lot of other options before I just, I mean, I'm giving you the short Reader's Digest version of this, but everything else, you know, I just, I I knew I had this entrepreneurial bug and, and as you mentioned, I'm a franchisee and for the audience, there's a lot of people that invent products and, you know, design all their own marketing materials. I I didn't know if I was that smart. So on this spectrum of being an entrepreneur as a entrepreneur. I'm like, I wanted to have somebody tell me what to do. And then I just figured I'd apply work ethic uh, and work hard enough to make it work. And that's, to me, was one of the benefits of, of Finding Express. It was in a business that I was intrigued by and attracted to. People development, growing a sales team, uh, recruiting, just how fun it is, psychological income of connecting people to jobs, which is a big decision for a lot of people. And then to have a four and a half now, four and a half billion dollar company out of Oklahoma support me, give me legal guidance, give me marketing guidance, and kind of tell me where to run through, what channels to make business work. Um, so I pursued that path. But, well, and so it's really just, it's about you then, you know, like you said, work ethic and embedding yourself in the community, which I think you've done a yeah. marvelous job of, of, you know, connecting to community organizations yeah. and and networking and, and building those relationships with business owners. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, and you mentioned like early days, I had two employees. Um, and we actually had, um, we had somebody that wanted to buy the franchise, but uh, in Lakeville. And, uh, but it was awarded to me. And uh, they they were committed to opening a competitor, which for me was pretty scary. Uh, new to the industry, new to the community. And knowing that somebody who was pretty upset that they didn't get awarded the franchise was going to open up a competitor across the street. And, you know, I told my two staff members, I'm like, there's this 800 number, which is our assistant center. I'm like, I'm going to go out and make sales calls. If you have questions, call this 800 number. They will give you answers. And at the end of the day, when we have a, our close of day meeting, tell me what you learned. And I said, and as far as this competitor is concerned, I said, I need you to outclass whoever he hires. And all I can promise you is I will outwork him. And that was it. And, you know, fortunately, they never, they never opened. And since then, I've reconnected. We've had lunch. We've stayed in touch. Um, so really good guy. But he was pretty upset out of the gates. What a great story, though, just about, you know, the early days of your business and, and the things you did to, to mm. grow it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I mean, it's, I, I actually tell well, anybody that opens a business, like when you go through those moments of adversity, you know, whether you're a franchise owner or you've started your own company, during that grind, it seems like the darkest of days, right? Like I joked about it being a straight line to 17 million. I mean, everybody that's been in business and went through the great recession of 08 and 09 probably knows what I'm talking about. Have you ever seen that visual of what success looks like and what people think it looks like and uh, the ups and the downs and during those moments of adversity, um, dark days during it, but I've, then you get past it and you look back and that you fondly think of those challenges and realize that's, that's what makes you an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, there's not failure. It's, it's learning and knowledge that you yeah. gain along the way. And then you've got the battle scars to prove yeah. it, right? Yeah. 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 I, well, and I mean, I don't, we can fast forward thinking about COVID, what people went through during COVID. I think my response to COVID with my team was very different leveraging what I learned, you know, the, 
the decade or so before that, uh, going through, cause oh eight and oh nine, I, you know, I was just kind of forging a path on intuition and what I thought I should do, but I, I felt much more confident going through COVID. Yeah. I think, you know, you've, when you faced uh, the things that, that you did as an entrepreneur through oh eight and oh nine, and, and you got through that yeah. and you found, you found success coming out of that. And you, then you look at COVID and you learn from those experiences and you say, okay, what, what can I apply here that, that fits yeah. what I know yeah. and how do I get my team through this? Yeah. Because a yeah. lot of those people probably hadn't been through that and, and, and been in business at Correct. that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that makes for a you know, kind of sets us up, I think for the next phase of our conversation, which is, is really the important one around, you know, this war for talent. Yeah. And again, where have all the employees gone? Because every business owner I talk to, every business leader, they're looking for people and they're looking for people. But as you think about employers today, they're they're looking for people across the spectrum of talent. Yep. And, you know, your role that you do and, and that Express Professionals does is, is filling that need, I think, at levels in the company that are probably the most difficult to find right now for people. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think you can bring our audience some, some insight into what's happening and what employers are doing to, to attract talent, good and bad, yeah. and, and how you're responding to that with Express. Yeah, well, and just to, to, I suppose, to maybe build some framework around that just before the audience. I mean, I, <clears throat> you know, there's healthcare employment, there's professional employment, there's headhunting, there's day labor, there's a whole variety of agencies like mine and even within express i mean we've we have 850 locations across north america and some of them the bulk of them are kind of in that same space but there's some that are have taken to their market a whole different strategy based on what the market demands are and what the opportunity is so for us out of lakeville and savage in that south metro market dakota and scott county we're roughly 30 to 35 percent skilled labor um so something that require a certification, a tech degree, that sort of thing. Um, Glenn, give us some examples. Get, of that. Oh, good. Okay. Positions. So like, like a machine programmer, a forklift driver, a CDL driver, um, a machinist, not just somebody pulling parts off a machine, but actually running the machine. So some of it could be carpentry, you know, so skilled labor in the, depending on the industry. Right. Um, so someone you just can't put on the floor and show them, right. you know, give them five minutes of training and they're off Correct. and running. This, yeah. this is somebody that can bring some value to your business yeah. and have an immediate impact. Yeah. Which, and, and that is another big part of our business are more of those entry level uh, positions in light industrial. And then we do about 20% in office services. We call it, we call it office services, but office, uh, professional type work. And then we have a little bit that we do in what I consider true professional space. But so from our vantage point, we are dealing with that, I'd say manufacturing distribution, even our office professional, a lot of it is in that space because Scott and Dakota County, there's a lot of industry that we, we work with. So we're connecting candidates to companies, right? Um, but there's a ton of barriers. As you mentioned, there's a lot of job openings. This is like the, you know, we're, as inflation continues to go up, I see some employers that are doing massive layoffs, but there's still a lot of employers out there looking for candidates. And I can get into some reasons as to why I think and what's happened and where the market has shifted. And I have some resources that I can share too, that I can either, I can give to you, Scott, or we can share some links with the podcast. But, but yeah, there's, there's still a lot of demand and a lot of people trying to find candidates and 
they're not filling their roles. Well, and it, it's almost like you see it, a dichotomy because the, the things that typically make the news are the big layoffs at tech companies, right? right. And, and so those are the things that send everybody panicking. Is the recession coming? You know, are we in trouble? Uh, I think you and I talked a little bit the other day, but I, my perspective on that is, and maybe you feel differently, but I think these big companies, when things were good, were, were had the ability to overhire Correct. and were, were doing that and just absorbing a lot of talent. And yep. now they're right-sizing their businesses like most small to mid-sized entrepreneurs have to do every day anyway. Now they're, they're facing that reality of, okay, I need to right-size my business because my earnings are taking an impact. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. And we talked, you know, we talked before the podcast. I mean, it, you know, during COVID, it was like, thank God we had Zoom, right? <laughs> right. But prior to COVID, what was Zoom? <laughs> so you think about the hiring frenzy that a company like Zoom, and I, you could go on and on about others, just a lot of the tech uh, software, uh, social media, th- those companies all probably did overhire. But for your small to midsize employers, I mean, and we went through stuff with uh, moving product. There was a lot of missing product, you know, and that was one of the barriers, I think, is just that unpredictable business climate, right? That's, you know, where candidates are, you know, how many do we need in, in the warehouse? Do we need 100 or do we need 150? Do we need 60, right? I mean, that creates some uncertainty. If you, So one of the things I wanted to mention, this is just from our vantage point, but over the last five years, so we have seen our average wage go from just over $15 an hour to now over 20. Hmm. Okay. And that's, we'll W2 our, our size just in Scott and Dakota County. We'll W2 probably 12 to 1300 people a year. And we work with over 300 companies a year. So it's a pretty good perspective. So the wages moved, which is one thing. So employers that are trying to hire and they're using the wages that they last used the last time they hired, it's possible the candidates have shifted. So a lot of times we're consulting. The reason I think we've been able to forge through and be successful the last few years is because we've had those conversations up front. We've shared data with companies to say this wage is not relevant. The amount of candidates in the market compared to the wage you're offering, you're just, their candidates aren't there. And for some of those wages, and this is hard because some employers will say, well, we're a better employer than that employer down the street. And I know that we, uh, I know we're a quarter less an hour, but that shouldn't matter. We're better. But a quarter less on an entry level wage is sometimes the difference of, diapers or the difference of a tank of gas to get to work on entry level jobs. So to have employers kind of jump out of their own self and think about what, what would it be like if you were making $17 an hour, but you needed to make 1725 to get to work. Yeah. Make ends meet. So yeah. Transportation is a barrier, just geography. I mean, I've, I've friends that own businesses, large employers that are in rural areas and they're struggling. And some of it could be old hiring practices. Another barrier is just how are you approaching drug check? You know, we mentioned before the pot started, there's some legislation going down in Minnesota. If you're still stuck on mandatory drug checks, mandatory crim check, and they can do this, they can't do that, there's a possibility you're missing out on some workforce that could help fill some of these roles. Because people just have so many choices, right? So many choices, right? So, and I, I... I get it. I mean, sometimes pride in ownership. If you own a business, you're going, I don't want to have that type of candidate. You could use air quotes and figure out whatever that might be to that employer, but it, they need to evolve and think about today's workforce. The other thing, and, and I mentioned how much the wages moved for us, just looking at our snapshot in Scott and Dakota County, um, the number might be bigger, 
right? So that number, they're making more money, but are they really able to do more with that dollar? And a big one, and this is where unemployment rate versus workforce participation rate is childcare. Huge, right? Cost of gas. You know, getting to and from work, that's a choice. And they might go, I can't afford to go to work. I lose money every hour that I'm away because of cost of daycare. The cost of daycare has gone up drastically. So now you have people that were in the workforce saying, well, I got to kind of step back because we have two, three kids. I can't afford $1,500 a month in daycare when I'm only bringing home $1,200 a month in wages right? or whatever the number might be. So, and then, and I'm sorry, I just, I kind of get it, I get passionate. No, you're, you're, I I love the passion. Keep rolling. (laughs) So, and there's also a bit of a swing on where people are at, not just taking care of their own kids, but thinking about the cost of taking care of their parents. So So you have the pressure of daycare costs, but you also might have the pressure of taking care of mom and dad. Right. And making these choices of, I can't afford to go to work. I'm better off not paying for those things because of how expensive they've gotten. Long-term care needs, childcare needs, very expensive. Yeah, and I think you know you said something the other day when we were talking about the really the the better employers are are meeting employees where they're at, and, and there's that's a definite shift, I think. Yeah, and you talked about old hiring practices and, and how those. So I'd have to believe. Well, most employers are not saying, "Hey, we're winning. We're getting everybody we want." There are certainly employers that are doing better than others in terms of finding people, getting them onboarded, yep. you know, building their businesses. And if you could just talk a little bit yeah. about what you see there. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of the things I just referenced, I mean, I've got a, a white paper. Again, not smart enough to write it myself. But as part of a $4.5 billion company, Express gives us these tools. So we've got this thing called the Great Divide, and it really goes through it. I think as an employer, it's a great read. It's a short read. And it just kind of, you reflect and go, am I doing these things? Am I open to these things to evolve my workforce and try and meet those demands? Another uh, tool that I have um, that we share with, with clients, it's called Engage to Retain. So this is going to the heart of changing hiring practices. We've found that a lot of our clients, and, and again, is anybody listening to the pod, think about your onboarding practices. How is that candidate treated and communicated to uh, prior to hire, first day, first week, two weeks, first month. There's some employers back in the day, they're like, we need somebody. Here's the door they come through. Make sure they're here at 6 a.m. And the candidate would walk in and go, who am I reporting to? Or they show up and they get lost and they're intimidated and they leave. And then we get the call. If it's one of our people. So right. A lot of times we do in-person onboarding. We'll do what we call an arrival call. But if an employer isn't working with somebody like us and they're just hiring on their own, you got to look at your onboarding practice. And and sometimes we promote our best people into management and then we don't think about how their skills and requirements to managing people is different than what it was you were doing before as a superstar. And we're not we're not teaching them how to be better at that onboarding process. So in today's market, you look at today's younger workforce and the way that they've been communicating, right? Swipe left, swipe right. Their entire life, everything is instant gratification. So we need to try and think through that and how you evolve because some of it's wage, but a lot of it's culture. And even for me personally, we've gone through this. I've been, you know, knock on wood, I've had some good tenure. I've got a few employees that have been with me, one since 2008, one since 2010. So they've been through this. And we talk about our own hiring practices, our own onboarding practices, just going through this. 
this engage to retain. I mean, when we put it together, it's it's we've got a a PowerPoint deck, workbooks for participants. So if you got field line leaders, for them to really think about, yeah, that last guy, I got mad when he quit on day two, but what did I do on day one to potentially have some either good experience or bad experience? So anyway, it's a really good little set that uh, companies, you know, again, another resource. It's on our website, but it's uh, to, to order the kit if somebody wanted to bring their team through it. I think I'd have to order the workbooks. Oh, sure. Well, I think, you you know, you, you bring, I think, a very important point to the table on this is that if you're not really thinking hard about your hiring practices and how you're onboarding right. and the contact you have with, with those employees, don't expect to, to advance in the, the war yeah. for talent because you're behind the curve. Because there are companies that are doing that. There are companies that are, are you know, on top of candidates, on top of onboarding. And they're having success bringing people in. Yeah. So it can be done. Yeah. it is, And there is, I mean, I mentioned how our wages, you know, that's changed because we've had influence on the companies that pay our bills, right? We're like, this is the candidate pool. This is the wage. But then even then it's like, well, how do we retain them? So now we're competitive on the wage side, but what are we doing? What's our culture? Right. Uh, what's our onboarding process? You know, again, I, and we went through this internally a few years back, Patrick Lincioni, who I think is phenomenal. Uh, he, great book uh, called the ideal team player. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, he goes through it. We talked about it. Like we need to hire people that are hungry, humble, and smart. Like at the end of the day, we do recruit candidates, right? Help them find meaningful work, but we're a sales company. Like that's what our, I have 13 people. They're all salespeople and they have to be hungry, humble, smart. That's our culture. And again, for anybody listening to the pod, it's what is your culture? Right. You know? And so if you have turnover, don't think it's just the workforce. What are you doing to either solve that problem and get ahead of it or just fall victim to it? Yeah, great advice. Well, I think we're at a point here where we want to shift a little bit and talk more about the, your experience with the CEO Roundtable. And you've been uh, in this since 2010, and you've been on the board yep. of the, the Roundtable, so you've been intimately involved in helping grow the organization. And so, you know, as you think about your Roundtable, your group, I mean, those relationships get very tight very intimate very and tight, it, yeah. it's where you go to talk about things you can't really discuss with with right. your team right so as you think about your experience with with the round table uh maybe share with the audience what what have been some of your uh experiences or what's been the most important decision yeah your round tables helped you with it's hard to single that out um but yeah uh shout out to rt3 um, <laughs> if they're listening, I those guys, um, as I said to you, before, they're going to appreciate yeah, that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we got such a great group and I, I hope, you know, obviously I have horse blinders on. I know what round table three has been. I've been with the group for a long time. Uh, I'm not the most tenured member of round table three, but I've been there for through a lot of it. As I said, I think to you before we started the podcast, I mean, this is as close as I get to therapy, right? <laughs> These guys listen to my woes. They listen to me celebrate. They listen to personal things that I'm trying to deal with as any, you know, owner of a company. It's, you know, it's hard to separate church and state. What you're dealing with personally can have an influence on how you show up to work each day. You're the one that referred me to the roundtable back in 2010. The group that I was in was disbanding. And some of the owners in that group, because there was no barrier to entry, didn't have any staff members. They were a solopreneur working in their basement. Uh, they maybe had one staff member running an insurance agency. Great people. But 
you know, I think the common thread that we speak about is people development, you know, round table three, it's people development, career pathing, people issues, right? Where you have a vision of where you want your company to go. And there's some people that need to help you to get it there. And are the people currently on your team? Are they, are they rolling the boat in the same direction? Right. It is a monthly opportunity for me to kind of open up the hood of the car and take a look at the engine. Like where are we, are we hiring people that are hungry, humble, smart, are we growing revenue? If we're not, is it why? And so every month to just take inventory. And then once a year, we go out through a planning process. We set goals. We have a facilitator, Joe Keller. Joe, every quarter has us write down. Are we on track for those goals? If not, so it's it, I just the process is critically important because, as you said, some of the issues I can't bring home or I shouldn't bring home to my wife. I can't necessarily share it with my staff. You know, maybe maybe there's issues I got to figure out to try and help right. them be better. So you need a peer group. You really do. Well, and I think, you know, the other piece that you just hit on that's so important about it, too, is that accountability for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And there, that, that group is help, helping hold you accountable. Of, hey, yeah. Glenn, you said you were going to do this. Where are you? Yeah. You know, and, and I think that also gives then consistency to your team because you've communicated that to your team most likely Correct. to say, okay, this is where we want to go. Yeah. yeah. So, again, it helps you manage your business more effectively. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're a very, very important sounding board. The whole idea. I mean, I if there's anybody that is listening to the podcast that is thinking about joining a peer group, uh, don't think, just do. And <laughs> call CEO Roundtable. <laughs> well, I don't think there's Shameless a plug. I don't think there's a better a better. Uh, <laughs> we'll be running that that one over and over again. In oh, the, you wanted to know a critical decision I had to make. Yeah, oh, I, I should. You, I, you, I shared, you kind story. of shared the parameters know, of I'm all. Sorry, those, I did, but right. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, we've been doing this for 18 and a half years. Not that I'm planning on going anywhere, but I also, we've career pathed and rewarded our team as we've grown and, and some members that have really allowed me to work on the business, not in the business. And I had a conversation start with the person who's been really the last, I'd say four and a half years really kind of took the reins from a leadership standpoint. Um, we put her through Express Runs, this leadership academy. We put her through the academy. She past with flying colors. She's been onboarding new employees, holding them accountable. She's still really involved in client engagement and sales. So she's, she's, we have a number, we call them the OGs, but we've got a great group of our 13. There's some that have been there a long time, but she's really the one that stepped up. And, uh, we looked at selling some shares to Stephanie and, and, you know, I looked within express and I probably found, you know, if I called 10, I got nine different responses on how to carve off some shares of our stock and bring her in as a partner. And so, you know, I did some of that research, but then I brought it to my roundtable and really shared, like, I'm going down this process, like, what blind spots do I have? What am I not thinking about um, from an opportunity standpoint, a financial standpoint? I mean, other than my, my wife and I, it's my accountant and my banker. They're the only people that saw the financials until we went down this path. Yeah. And then we were ready to bear all. And, uh, you know, it went through in hindsight, I think we ex- executed it perfectly and we worked with Fellhaber, Dan Kelly, who's our strategic partner through CEO Roundtable. They drafted all the documents with things that I hadn't thought of, real important things to bring on a minority partner. But it was kind of the start of the succession plan, which, you know, I think any good business owner, it takes courage to get into business, but I think it's also as important to know when it's time to start to look towards that exit strategy not get caught flat-footed. So so that was critical, and we just did that last year. Well, and, I, and 
so I applaud you for that because, you know, one, you, you reached out to your group, right? And said, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. The, I want to do this. This is the person that I, I can see taking a bigger role in the organization. Yeah. And then you also reach out and got professional help too from, from an attorney that can guide you through the process. And I think they're, the succession planning part of any business is so important. And there's so many companies right now where owners have gotten through the pandemic, the old pandemic. and are you know, 60, 65, 70 years old and are, are saying, what do I do with this business? And right. how do I think about what's next? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you've just provided a great example of an approach that people can take that, that works. And you got to yeah. put the right people yeah. around you to help you execute yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not, in case Stephanie's listening to this, she did ask when we were having these conversations, like, so when are you going to retire? I'm like, hey, don't kick me out so soon. <laughs> but, you know, but like with any business, these things take time, right? And, and so Absolutely. you've started a process and, and now, it, okay, you started something, see how it moves right. and is yeah. it moving in the direction you want yeah. it to. So yeah. start yeah. small, you know, aim, what is it? Aim small, miss small, right? So we, <laughs> right. yeah, we, Stephanie and I went down that path and Katie and I feel like she's like family and she's yeah. doing a great job. And I think that, you know, the other thing about that is, is the message it sends her about her importance and and her future. Right. And to, to know that she's got something bigger than just a, a W2 paycheck. Well, and, and this is part of being in a franchise organization. The conversation started when I, I met with the entire team and I said, your opportunity, although we've got a lot of great career paths that I mentioned, the OGs, I mean, we've got some good tenure, but I told them, I said, the opportunity doesn't have to be within these four walls. Like you tell me what you want to accomplish in your career over the next three to five to 10 years. And we'll put a plan together to help you get there. Yeah. Great story. Thank you. And w- great use of the round table. Um, Love it. We're going to, we're going to wrap up here, but I ask all my guests three questions and because it's one is it, you know, we just learned about uh, Glenn, the business person, right? And now, now we want to know a little bit more about you personally. Right? Can, I, can I give you one more resource? I wrote it <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, sure. I, go ahead. I, and I, when I talked about the, uh, the Great Divide, there's, there's a YouTube link out there that I think I would encourage any of the listeners to check out. It's called the Demographic Drought. Mm. Or you can look up SANS-DEMIC, which is, stands for Without People. But that will tell you a little bit more about this as employers are scratching their head thinking, where are the employees? I mean, it's put on by an organization called MC, and they did a data dive. And it really gets into immigration and birth rates and really thinking about how this has shifted. And frankly, you know, some of it will catch up with automation. Like one of my, I, I laugh when I see it. Nobody, this is me being an employment nerd. But when you see a a commercial for Domino's and it's showing the driverless delivery. That used to be a job. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so there's some of the automation, but the, some of the shift is happening. And I think that YouTube clip can tell you a lot about it. So, yep. Yeah. And I think you, Glenn, you're underscoring an important thing here that it's not just people that aren't, you know, aren't motivated to look for work. There are some bigger shifts happening in, and you hit on a number of them that are changing the whole employment spectrum yeah. for companies. Yeah. And, and some employers have figured it out and they're winning, but there's a lot that are scratching their head. We got to have you back. When, hey, all right. But I got three questions for you. Again, okay. we're going to, we're going to put a little more flair to it. So your favorite movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Wolf of Wall Street. All right. Yeah. Or, and I will say, I will say uh, Top Gun Maverick. Is right there now. <laughs> like I could watch that one over and over again. But those are those are two of my favorites. I also, and depending on the category, though, I'd have to also say 
um, Deadpool or Step Brothers. All right. Good laugh. <laughs> Those are all good good examples for us. So you're clearly a guy that, that's well-read. You've already quoted Lencioni. So the read right now, and, and if I'm being completely transparent, it's um, Stanley Cup playoff season. <laughs> so I, I may or may not be on a bit of a pause. All things I, NHL, oh right? Gosh, yeah, it's all the podcasts and everything else. you got to stay up to up to date on all the games. But um, I mentioned the ideal team player. I mean, most recently... That was good. One that I just started to reread again, and by reread I mean on audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's three books that I think were most impactful to me since going back to college. The most recent one uh, is called "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday. Mm-hmm. Really good audiobook. And then he has like a two-hour rap session. I can't think of the author's name, but somebody, the guy that wrote the four-hour work week. Those two just go off on tangents on the audiobook for like two hours afterwards. But "The Obstacle oh. Is the Way." was really, really important during the pandemic and just listening to it again recently, uh, parts of it, really, really good. The other book, uh, and this was probably during the the Great Recession. I'm trying to think of when I first read uh, The Secret. If oh, you know sure. that book by yep. Rhonda Byrne. Yeah. Also, I'd say pivotal in terms of books that have had the biggest impact on me. And then the third, and this goes back to college, was I Think Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, studied that book with a group of buddies actually in, in college and just the principles in that book were solid. So those are the three that I think. Things you can use every day. Yeah. All right, last question. What's your bucket list concert? Uh, probably. So if it could be recreated, I have this on DVD. It's called Music for Montserrat. And if it, and it, it's it'd be that would be a bucket list to have been in the audience back when that concert was played. Check it out. All right. Well, Glenn, this has been fantastic. And like I said, we could we could go on and on about you know what you're seeing in the employment market. And clearly, you're you're well read and and researched on this. And we appreciate you sharing it with us today. Thank you for listening to the CEO to CEO podcast produced by Dave Swerdlick and the incredible team at Uptown Podcast Studios. You can find them at uptownpodcast.com. Be certain to subscribe so you don't miss an episode with more CEO wisdom highlighting experience and insights from the trenches. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and share with others. If you are a Minnesota-based business leader who would like to learn more about being part of a Peer Advisory Roundtable, check us out at ceo-roundtable.org.